boom, 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 boom. Hey, that was me, not the beat. Uh, welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. This is another Always More Wednesday, and we have probably totaled up probably like a good four or five hours on talking about Mary. Um, go back to the previous episodes um, at the beginning. I think that we probably had like two or three one-hour-long episodes, and then the past several Wednesdays, probably like eight to ten of them, have been about Mary. So go back and listen to them if you haven't. Um, but up, if you have listened to it, I'm sure you're like, "Dang, Mama Mary is my mama, and I need to start asking her prayers." So uh, today we're going to be talking about the Hail Mary. So the Hail Mary is completely centered on Jesus. The Hail Mary is where the praise of heaven and earth come together, right? Where they collide. So, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He reconciled flesh and divinity itself to become one with each other, right? And this is where what happens in the Hail Mary with Jesus at the center of it. Heaven and earth, the praise of heaven and earth, happen in the Hail Mary. So the Hail Mary is, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So we're going to break it down into uh, three separate points and then a little... uh, we're going to further break it down within those individual three points. So the very first part of the Hail Mary is Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. And that is the praise of heaven because the very first um, being, which is an angelic being, the archangel Gabriel, he is the first one to venerate Mary as we have it in scripture. Um, So this is the praise of heaven, right? Um, And then the second part is Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And that those are the words of her cousin Elizabeth, and that is the praise from earth. So you already see that beautiful reflection of the praise from heaven and the praise of earth coming together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. The praise of heaven. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. The praise of earth. And then the last part. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And that is the request of prayer to the Queen of the Kingdom of Jesus. Isn't that so beautiful? Now, let's go back to that very first part, the praise of heaven. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. So the very first word, hail, from the Archangel Gabriel, when he, uh, the Annunciation of Mary, right? So Archangel Gabriel to to Mary. Hail. Hail is for a queen. It is the queenship of Mary that he is calling. Hail. And then he doesn't actually say, in scripture, the archangel doesn't actually say Mary, as we say it, hail Mary, full of grace. The angel says, hail, full of grace. So it's a name that's declared from heaven, which shows her very identity. The Greek that is used for hail full of grace is and that is 
uh, the Greek word, that word, kakeritomene, it signifies somebody that uh, what they're proclaiming is already been fulfilled, is is present now, and for and will be forever. So she is full of grace, and she has always been full of grace in the past, is full of grace now, and will will be forever full of grace which means that she is perfectly full of God's grace and without any sin, right? So from the very moment of her conception, she was full of grace without sin. She is now full of grace without sin and forever will be full of grace without sin, all of because of the merits of her son, Jesus. God's grace in her entire life in a very, very unique way, Jesus saved his mother from the destruction of sin and death. And um, she is the new Eve because of that, and she is the fulfillment of God's promises in Genesis 3.15. And in the Hebrew culture, a name revealed something permanent about the one being named, right? So we know in the Bible, all these people that had their names changed from God himself. And Mary here too, she's not approached with her name Mary, but she is approached from heaven, the archangel Gabriel, hail, full of grace, and I probably butchered that Greek, but hey, you got something there. And then the angel says, the Lord is with thee. She is about to become fully embraced in the very life of the Trinity that we are called as Christians, right? So she is the handmaid of the Father. She becomes the mother of the Son and the spouse of the Holy Spirit. And so when the angel says that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her in this instance in Luke, It is the declaration that Mary is the spouse of the Holy Spirit as she is skirted or wedded to him. And that is the language that was used in the Old Testament in the in the Hebrew scriptures of being skirted to the skirted or wedded to somebody. And Mary is skirted or wedded, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, God Himself. And this is the declaration of her being the Ark of the Covenant. So this is the expected return of the Jewish people of the glory cloud, the Shekinah that descended on the Ark of the Old Covenant in the Holy of Holies, which had been empty at this time in the first century after the temple was destroyed all the way back in 587 BC by the Babylonians. And that is where the glory cloud of God's presence departed from Jerusalem in 587 when the temple was destroyed. So now it is the is the fulfillment, it is the promise of the return of God's glorious presence, and it's in Mary. So now people of God have the presence of God fully returned. The glory cloud that once overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant now overshadows the true Ark of the new and eternal covenant, Mary. And then we say, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And this is the praise from earth, from the words from her cousin Elizabeth. So Luke here, in the Gospel of Luke here, depicts Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant. It's this continuation because just as David in Second uh, Samuel traveled to the hill country of Judea for three months and leaped in front of the Ark of the Old Covenant, so now Mary traveled to the hill country of Judea for three months and John the, John the Baptist leapt in the womb of Elizabeth identifying Mary as the ark that holds the eternal high priest, the word made flesh, and the bread of life, Jesus, showing that Mary is the new ark of the new covenant. So this is also the first impartation of the Holy Spirit. You already get charismatic? Well, Mama Mary's charismatic. 
This is the first impartation of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Mary is filled with the Holy Spirit and she goes, she becomes fully united to God in this complete unique sense, right? The handmaid of the Father, mother of the Son, spouse of the Holy Spirit. And she is moved on mission. She goes out to her cousin Elizabeth. She travels to the hill country of Judea to share the good news of Jesus, to share the good news of her son to Elizabeth. And when she arrives, the Holy Spirit imparts or leaps to Elizabeth upon Elizabeth feeling the leap of her infant in her womb leaping from the presence of Jesus and Mary. And so too, Mary longs to impart to us, her children, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in this prayer, we encounter that that longing of her heart to give us the Holy Spirit, right? So she, remember in uh, the wedding of Cana, she asked her son Jesus, she told them, told him, they need new wine. They need the Holy Spirit, <laughs> And this is the same intercession that Mary has for all eternity in the wedding feast of heaven, right? So she's at the wedding feast of Cana interceding for the people of God. And she is there for all eternity in heaven interceding for the people of God, those who bear testimony to her son, Jesus. And so uh, Elizabeth, after she's filled with the Holy Spirit, she exclaims those words, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. She declares that Mary here is the promised woman of God in Genesis 3.15 when right after the fall of the first Eve and the first Adam that he that God promises that he will put enmity between the new woman and between her seed and the evil one's seed. And nobody will touch this woman and this the seed of hers from sin and death. And that is Mary and Jesus fulfilled Uh, God's promise from the very first fall, God had a plan and it was Jesus and Mary. With this statement uh, that Elizabeth exclaims, Elizabeth declares Mary also to to be the new JL of Judges 5, 24 through 26 and the new Judith of Judith chapter 13. Because in those chapters, both Jael and Judith are also called blessed among women. And these women crushed the skull of an earthly enemy, but Mary has crushed the skull of the real spiritual enemy, the devil, with her son Jesus. And this is why, and that goes right back to obviously Genesis 3.15, the devil cannot catch Mary and Jesus because God has put enmity between him and her and his seed, and her seed. And you see that in Revelation too, how the the evil one, the dragon, couldn't catch up to the woman or her child who ruled heaven and earth, right? And that's Jesus. And so then he couldn't catch up to Jesus or Mary in Revelation. He goes and the evil one wants to attack us to give t- who are, we are Mary's children. And because we give testimony to Jesus, as it says in Revelation twelve seventeen. right? We are Mary's offspring because we keep God's commandments and give testimony to Jesus. And this is why I fully believe in the story that I literally heard yesterday, um, that I believe it's, it's true, that um, there's a story about a saint, how the devil told this saint, if human beings truly understood the value of a Hail Mary, then he would not exist. 
And when we become in union with Jesus and Mary, the ones who conquered the evil one and all its his sin and temptation and his death that he that he has to offer us, we too become conquerors in their victory, right? And Jesus' victory that he won for his mother and for us. And so when we say these words with Elizabeth, that blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. It is a fulfillment of Luke 148 where Mary in her Magnificat is filled with the Holy Spirit and says that all generations will call her blessed. And so we do. We are still yet another generation that calls her blessed among women and blessed is the fruit of her womb, her seed, Jesus, who conquered sin, death. And the last part is Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. So this is the request of prayer to the queen. So just like uh, Elizabeth said, said to Mary, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She is the mother of Jesus. She is the mother of the Son of God. She is the mother of God. She is the fulfilled woman of Genesis 3.15 that gave birth to the Messiah and that the devil will never touch her or her son. She is the new Eve, the Ark of the Covenant, the queen mother of the son of David, Jesus' kingdom. She is the new Rachel that intercedes for the new Israel, the church. And so when we pray the Hail Mary, we, say, we also have the mother of our Lord, the mother of God come to us. And we can say with Elizabeth too, how is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So to share with us, she comes to us to share with us what she pondered in her heart about her son, Jesus. Scripture always says she pondered and kept these things in her heart. And, these, and her heart would be revealed when uh, her soul was pierced, when her son was crucified on that cross. And that is the fulfillment of Simeon's prophecy all the way back in Luke 2, where he says, he looks right at Mary and says, your soul also will be pierced. For many, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So we say holy. When we say holy Mary, mother of God, we call her holy because she is set apart in a very unique way, just as all Christians are set apart for the purposes of God. And that's why the New Testament letters call Christians holy, because that's what holy means is to be set apart. And Mary is holy. She is set apart in a unique way for the purposes of God. And we say mother of God from a theological perspective to really only to protect the truth of Jesus, right? So this was a heresy that went all the way back to the 5th century in the 400s where people were saying she's not the mother of God. And But guess what you had to do in order to do that? You had to split up Jesus into two different people. You had to say, well, Jesus was divine and also human, but they weren't actually connected. Or they just denied his divinity. But no, the truth is, is that Jesus is fully God, fully man, united perfectly in one person. Jesus, fully united when he uh, assumed flesh in the incarnation. He was forever fully God, fully man. Even his divinity was born of a Virgin Mary. So Mary, a creature, a creature of God, gave birth to her creator, right? And this isn't to show the exaltation of Mary. This is to show the absolute love and the radical humility of God, that God would choose our redemption to come through him becoming one of us in the incarnation. He could have just been created a man at the age of 30, or he could have just went to the cross, or he could have just said, I forgive you. But he chose the incarnation to literally become fully 
human, even at his end, just like how he developed as a baby and the cross and he chose the cross to redeem the world. So it's his, it's the humility of God that this shows, right? So it's more than just a theology. This is, this title doesn't show Mary's exalted state now in heaven, but she re- really shows the absolute humility of God, that God would become a human being, let alone a little baby born of a virgin, born of a human being, so that out, one of his creatures, just to get that point, isn't that crazy? So that out of his humility and in the incarnation and death on a cross after establishing his kingdom here on earth through the church, we would have an example of humility that leads to eternal glory in Jesus and Mary. This is the absolute humility of God to show us the way to true life in eternity with him is the, the way of humility. God becoming f- fully human even to become a baby and then growing up and dying on a cross for us. It is the humility of God. So just as Jesus chose the cross, Mary also chose the cross with her son for the redemption of the world that fulfilled that prophetic statement of of Simeon at the temple in Luke 2 as her soul was pierced too, that the hearts of many may be revealed. So too, as Christians, we are called to choose the cross with Jesus and Mary so that we can fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, according to Colossians 1.24. And what is lacking is not Jesus's suffering like he didn't suffer long enough on the cross. And it's definitely not his love that is lacking that it poured out on the cross, but it's our participation that is lacking in his love that poured out on the cross because we are called to not only part- imitate, but to participate in Jesus's love that poured out back to the Father and back to one another. And that is perfect love poured out, that right relationship with God, that Christianity is all about, right relationship with God and with neighbor. And that is ultimately fulfilled in martyrdom when we are perfectly united to Jesus on the cross, that full self-giving back to God and to neighbor. That is the, lo- the law fulfilled. That is Jesus's love directly participated and that is what he calls us to not just this personal relationship he calls us to but a union with him and that union calls into his cross to share in Jesus's glory we must share in his sufferings according to Romans 8:17 just as Mary did she reveals the way and just as the love of God was fully revealed through the piercing of Jesus's heart as he hung on the cross and a complete gift of himself to us and to the Father, and Mary's soul is pierced at the cross of with her son, our participation with them at the cross reveals the very heart of God to the world in and through us. Because as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians one twenty three and Galatians 2.20, we preach Christ and him crucified, and we have been crucified with Christ so that it is Christ who lives in us who gave himself up for us, and so that same love of the crucified Jesus that lives in us would reveal the heart of God to the world through us. So we would fully participate in that revelation of Jesus and Mary where the thoughts of many hearts are revealed. And so when we say these words, we invoke that very love of God revealed in Jesus and Mary that we would have that divine life living inside of us to love other people and love God completely as Jesus and Mary did. And so when Jesus' love was poured out for us on the cross, in John 19, 27, that's when Jesus declares to us his last statement of last commandment 
is as we are represented by the beloved disciple faithful at the cross with Mary, Jesus says to him to take Mary as our own mother. So we share in everything that Jesus has as Christians, including his mother. So as in uh, Revelation twelve seventeen, where we see the fulfillment of that, it says that she, Mary, is the mother of all of those who give testimony to Jesus. So she is our mother too. And so we ask for her powerful prayers as she stands perfected by Jesus' redemption. And she is the perfect image of our future hope as human beings to be forever in heaven with Jesus, both body and soul. And so the very last part of the petition of her asking her asking Mary to pray for us, which by the way, prayer literally comes from the old English word of just to ask. You even see it in like legal documents uh, to like like lawyers still. Like I pray that you do this. A prayer is just a petition to ask. So prayer is definitely not worship, and we are never con- we are never separated from uh, those who have been redeemed by Jesus, because as Hebrews thirteen says, they are the spirits of just men made perfect. And in Hebrews twelve, after in Hebrews eleven, it's the communion of saints. It's the communion of saints cheering us on. They intercede for us. And in Revelation five six, it's it's the saints, capital S saints in heaven, offering the the saints of lowercase s us here on earth to God, right? So it is only because of Jesus's uh, passion, his death, his resurrection, his victory that we get to share in that communion of saints. We are never separated from from the dead because God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living, right? So we are always connected to the very body of Christ, which are all those in heaven, all those in purgatory, and all those here on earth, right? So just as we intercede for each other, those in heaven can intercede for us because we we need them too. St. Paul says we cannot say to the foot, the hand cannot say to the foot, we have no need of you. And it's the same thing with the body of Christ and especially those in heaven who are perfected because of what Jesus did for them. We ask for their prayers too. So they are always praying to God for us. We do not believe that they answer prayers on their own. It's always God. It's always the gift of God. It's always the grace of God. Just how here, if somebody's healed physically here on earth, it's not me that healed them, it's Jesus. Just like when you ask me to pray for you, I'm praying, but it's Jesus that brings the grace. It's Jesus that brings the water. And it's the same thing with Mary and all the saints. They are the ones that intercede, but it's God who brings that transformation of water into wine after Mary intercedes uh, for us at the wedding of Cana, right? So prayer is just asking for them to pray for us, to ask God to intercede for us as we stand in communion with them. We are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, right? So let us hold fast to the faith in Jesus. And because of Jesus, our loved ones, we have great hope that anybody um, falling in love with Jesus, when they die, they live forever. And so they're always praying for us. So we can ask them just like we ask anybody else in the body of Christ to pray for us. And so this very last part, this very beautiful petition of we're asking the mother of God, the mother of Jesus to pray for us now and at the hour of our death. So we ask for her to pray for us now so that we can live heaven here on earth to fulfill Jesus's prayer in the Our Father and at the hour of our death to die in union with Jesus so that we can live for all eternity. St. Joseph, the spouse of Mary and foster father of Jesus, is the patron saint of happy deaths. 
because he died in the arms of Jesus and Mary. Oh, can you just imagine? And that's how we want to pass from this life into the life of eternity and the very friendship and arms and the love of Jesus and Mary. And this is the power of the Hail Mary every single time we pray it, where heaven meets earth. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 